10 and verse 10 23 it says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful it says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful you know can we say that together hold fast so what are we asked to hold fast the confession of our hope so how do you hold fast to that confession of your hope you know in our hearts in our minds and also in our confession we hold fast to that confession of hope in our confession in our speaking every time we speak about something you know let it be about what you believe in your heart let that confession of hope be unwavering you know the thing is stuff happens all around us which comes to really shake that confession of hope that confession of hope and we are called we are exhorted to hold fast without wavering unwaveringly we are called to hold fast to that confession of hope the confession of hope could be what jesus did on the cross for each one of us you know, like we sang you know he died on the cross he died on the cross for our sins for our sickness and everything and that's what the word of god declares the word of god declares that we receive it by faith so what is your confession of hope you know are things happening in your life which is contrary totally opposite or challenging that confession of hope now we have uh, an example in the bible a person in the bible even though things were happening contrary totally opposite or at least he describes it and then he says i will rejoice in the lord now i think we should look at habakkuk the last chapter habakkuk the last chapter and i think it's verse 18 um, yes habakkuk 3 and verse uh, 17 onwards he says though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls and he says yet can we say that yet yet i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation the lord god is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills so he says you no know, oh even though all these things are happening this could be the situation there's, there's no fruit in the uh, there's no cattle in the stalls uh, nothing is budding nothing is happening but he says yet i will rejoice in the lord and i will joy in the god of my salvation and last verse is his declaration he declares the what he truly believes about god he declares that So this morning you know even as we make our declaration let us hold fast to that confession of our hope unwaveringly amen let's all stand and hold our bibles high and make this make our declaration this morning this is god's word this is god speaking to me i am who god says i am i can do what god says i can do 
I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands with the person next to you and say, Do not waver. I think you need to really, you know, look into the eyes and say, Do not waver. You don't know what they're going through. So, you know, this could be a declaration. Do not waver. Okay. Uh, Friday night, no, I just went to bed uh, uh, saying, God, you know, what should I share? You know, till Friday, nothing has happened. I've not, you know, you've not really told me what to share, what to say. Uh, so, God, tonight, please speak to me in a dream or a vision or something, God. Tonight's the night. I need to know. I need to receive it. But, uh, you know, I slept like a baby throughout. Nothing happened and uninterrupted sleep. And I woke up in the morning. But uh, when I woke up in the morning, I woke up with this question, right? I woke up with this question, very strange. What's so great about praise and worship? I woke up with that question. What's so great about praise and worship? And uh, I was thinking, is it from the Lord? Is it just... But then, you know, I've never woken up with this something, very radical thing, you know. What's so great about praise and worship? So I went and uh, wrote it down. And uh, the Lord got me thinking. You know, he, uh, he got me thinking about my own spiritual journey, my own spiritual life, and my understanding of what praise and worship was initially. You know, my understanding was praise is all fast songs, worship is slow, sentimental songs. Right? Uh, that, that is how it started. And the reason is, you know, the, the spiritual journey, really. Uh, I'm, I'm coming, I'm basically from Coimbatore, and uh, I come from an Anglican, you know, CSI uh, church kind of a background. So the worship, in our church was mostly liturgical. We have the Book of Common Worship. So prayers were read and, you know, in response and, and so on. And interspersed with a lot of hymns. Uh, very nice. Uh, so we, we, we had that. So that was my understanding of worship initially. And then uh, from there, we came to Bangalore and we were part of the Methodist Church here, Indranaga Methodist Church. And here, uh, you know, in CSI Church, the praise and worship, the spontaneous praise and worship was actually reserved for, you know, certain um, retreats, you know, you have those three-day retreats or, you know, special retreats, and then these choruses will come out, you know, this is the day the Lord asked me, that was a big hit then, uh, you know, I will enter his gates. <laughs> uh, so, those were the hits, of, you know, the retro ones which he used to do, and uh, after we came to the Methodist Church, the praise and worship was actually included, part of the service, so the first initial 15 to 20 minutes was this spontaneous uh, or kind of uh, slightly less formal, you know, praise and worship with song. So we did that. And then the first Sunday of every month was the communion service. And it was a fairly long service because people had to come to the altar uh, to receive the communion and so on. So we kind of uh, left Sunday, first Sunday free. You know, there was no praise and worship, the informal praise and worship, so on. And then, uh, you know, a bit part of this church for the last uh, you know, four or five years, but I've known the church since it started in 2001. So it's been a long journey. And through that journey, you know, my understanding 
of praise and worship changed. My understanding about the fast song, slow song, slowly changed. So, you know, in this hall, in this audience, I'm sure that all of us are from different backgrounds, like some from Christian, non-Christian backgrounds, which is simple, but non-Christian backgrounds is a bit complex, right? Different denominations. Um, any, any, anybody from a Catholic background? Okay. Uh, anybody from a CSI, Anglican kind of a background? Right. Uh, anybody from Methodist background? Right. See? Brethren. Brethren background. Okay. Right. So, we come from different... I'm sorry if I left out any denomination. Any AG, AG backgrounds? <laughs> anybody from AG? AG, okay. Great. Uh, so, you know, different backgrounds right in this hall. So, our understanding of praise and worship uh, differs, right? Because our experience and, uh, you know, what we have really been through is different. So that's our understanding. So it's good to come to a place where we look into the Bible, look into the Word and say, what does the Word say about praise and worship? So that we're all on the same page, right? So this morning, it's really uh, a simple study about praise and worship. Not very complex, simple study, but have your Bibles handy because we're going to be looking at a few verses. For some of us, it could be just uh, revisiting what we already know. Uh, but for, for I think for many of us, it could be something you know something new, maybe a revelation, a fresh perspective of praise and worship. But uh, I'm sure it's going to it's going to be useful for all of us. Okay, right. So we look at John chapter four and verse twenty three and twenty four, and these are the word these are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says this, John chapter four and verse. 23. Let's turn there. John chapter 4 and verse 23 says, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. No, it's, uh, it's talking, this verse is really talking about us. Jesus was talking about the future, about us. And he's saying the true worshippers, these bunch of people will worship in spirit and in truth. He also says the Father is seeking such to worship. He's really looking and searching and saying, who are these people who will worship in spirit and in truth? The Father is searching, seeking. Now the question is, no, God is self-existent. He's omnipotent and omniscient, you know, omnipresent and so on. So does worship do anything to Him? We know that. You know, when we declare that God is good, that God is a healer, it doesn't add anything to God, right? It doesn't add anything to God because He never changes. The Word of God says that He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So He's self-existent. He doesn't change His nature, His attributes they don't change. His promises, they don't change with time. So they don't change. So what changes, really? He is seeking people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when we worship in spirit and in truth, no, the only change that happens is us, the worshippers, will worship in spirit and in truth. There's some change happening in us. There's some transformation happening in us. There is some victories that come our way because we worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
right? So I won't say that at the outset. And let's look at praise and worship. Praise and worship. You know, because of our different backgrounds, some of us could be uh, totally indifferent to praise and worship, right? Uh, that happens. I mean, you have a vantage point here. So when you look from here, you know some of us could be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not putting anyone down, but, you know, you're, I mean, that's been your experience. So, you know, we could be totally indifferent. We could, uh, and some of us are, uh, you know, we like the songs. So we are there, but uh, we are passive. We are there, you know, we're not really stepping in, but we are passive. While uh, there could be another category, but uh, which is, you know, which is a sli- silent witness. We're tolerant of all that is happening, but we're a silent witness. Okay, let these guys finish. Hey, what's the time? Where's Pastor, Pastor Ashes? Who's this guy? You know, uh, what is all this happening? I'm here to get my message. And so on. So we're tolerant, but then, you know, we're a silent witness. And some of us are there who are really going for it. Right? We're going for it. We are really offering our praise and worship to God. So we have all these uh, kinds of people uh, in a church service. Uh, so, it, so we are getting a biblical perspective of what praise and worship is. So we see that praise and worship, you know, we say this together, praise and worship. But it's actually, you know, different. It's distinct. Each has its own nature and purpose. And uh, we also see that uh, each are equally important. We can't just say, you know, I'm for praise and you are for worship. Each are equally important uh, before God. So, what is praise? What is praise? In the dictionary, it's mentioned that praise is to commend, to applaud, to express approval or admiration in words or song. Praise is to magnify, to glorify, to exalt. So we can actually define praise this way. Praise is the verbal confession of adoration and thanksgiving for what God has done and for what God said He will do. So it's a verbal confession or admiration for what God is, for who God is, for what God said He he will do and for what God is already doing in our lives. It's a verbal confession. So you can't have something in the heart and uh, call it praise. It has to come out. And it has to come out through our lips. The sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Now, you want to compliment someone uh, about the shirt they're wearing. You know, uh, probably Anish here wearing a striped shirt. I need to, I can't think and say, hey, there's a nice striped shirt and ensure that you know, that compliment reached him. A verbal compliment. I need to go over to Anish and say, uh, Anish, you know, that's a nice striped shirt that you're wearing. So it's like that. Praise is like that. Every time we are called to praise God, you know, let's not have it locked up in our hearts. Let's just open our mouths and declare it's extroverted in nature. Praise is extroverted in nature. It's not contemplative or introspective. It's extroverted in nature. And a second thing about praise is that uh, praise is, uh, is to be declared vocally. It is to be declared. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 it says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. The fruit of our lips, something that you declare, something that you speak out, and that is praise. Right? It is to be declared. It can be sung or even otherwise, but it is to be declared. 
And third important thing about praise is, you know, it is based on who God is. It is based on who God is and not based on you know, our emotions or feelings. Praise God for that. Because our emotions and feelings can go up, come down. It's like a roller coaster ride sometimes. But it's based on who God is. You know, I really struggled with this when I was growing up. I was born again and I saw the uh, newspaper headlines one day. And there was actually a tragic news okay, about... Uh, it was tragic news. And it really affected me. And uh, I know that the weekend was coming and we were in church and... And, uh, you know, in the youth fellowship, everybody was clapping hands and singing all those happy songs. And, and I could not. I was struggling. And I was saying, you know, when there's something so tragic which has happened, hey, how can you praise God? You know, how can you praise God? How can you be happy? But then God had to teach. And uh, I had to unlearn a lot of things before coming to that place where, before understanding that praise is based on who God is. He never changes. Praise is based on who God is and not our emotions and feelings. Right? And when we look at uh, uh, Paul and Silas, I think we need to see that uh, scripture, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 22 onwards. Acts chapter 16 and verse, verse 22. So this is, the, this is the context. Paul and Silas are ministering there in that particular place. Philippi, and uh, they go and they bring deliverance to this possessed girl, this girl who was possessed with the spirit of divination. So they bring in deliverance in the name of Jesus. She's delivered, exorcised. And then the, the, her masters find out that she cannot uh, tell fortunes anymore because she was able to tell those fortunes, fortune telling, she was into fortune telling because of that spirit. But that spirit had left her and she could not do that anymore. So they turn on Paul and Silas who brought about this. Verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them and threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. So this is what they go do. They cane them. Uh, they rip their clothes. They cane them on the back. And it says they laid many stripes on them, which means that every caning would have drawn blood. And they put them in the innermost prison and their feet is put in stocks. Two wooden blocks probably and their feet is there. So they can't move. They can't turn and sleep. And the back, it's all stripes. And uh, interestingly, verse 25, but at midnight. You know, can we say that together? But at midnight. Let's say that together. But at midnight. You know, that midnight moment when we were in prison, when nothing is going right, when everything is going wrong, but at midnight, we read this. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Now praying I can understand. You know, you cry out to God and say, God, get us out of this mess. They were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening. Now I just have one word to describe it. And it's, wow. At midnight... 
in prison you know you don't know what's going to happen what this crowd is going to do they are praying and they are singing hymns to god and it's an amazing challenge for each one of us you know are we holding on to the confession of our hope unwaveringly are we praising god despite what's happening around us because of who god is because he is on the throne he is the alpha and omega the beginning and the end our heavenly father our savior our healer the thoughts that he has for us is to give us a hope and a future not thoughts of calamity but thoughts of peace can we praise god who god is men paul and silas they were singing hymns to god at midnight and so also habakkuk's prayer and declaration though the fig tree does not bud the vine has no grapes though there are no cattle in the stalls i will still rejoice in the lord amazing conviction of who god is amazing conviction of who god is that's praise and worship that's praise you're coming and offering the fruit of your lips to god sacrifice of praise so we see that why why should we praise why should we praise it is a command in the word psalm 81 verse 1 to 4 and verse 4 say that it is a statutes of the law it is a command from god when we praise and god really is worthy of our praise you know is god worthy you know if we have really understood some some aspects of god if we have put our trust our faith in him if we have you know laid our life down for him and if we if we really love him you know we will know that he is worthy of praise he is worthy of all our praise oh he created the word declares that he created the sun and the moon and the stars and everything that you see around he created with a word with a word he created that's our god and the holy spirit who was there at that time of creation oh he is in us he's living in us he's come to teach us the word he's come to lead us into all truth and that's our god isn't he worthy of our praise amen amen he's worthy of our praise it is a command it is he's worthy of our praise and we were created to worship him we were created to praise him isaiah chapter 43 and verse 21 says this isaiah chapter 43 and uh, verse 21 says this people i have formed for myself they shall declare my praise this people i have formed for myself they shall declare my they shall declare my praise and then we know that verse uh, 1 peter 2 and verse 9 uh, let's go there 1 peter chapter 2 and verse 9 which also says that we were created for this purpose we were called so that we can declare praises of him 1 peter 2 and verse 9 but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you know can we say that together i am a chosen generation 
a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special person that i may proclaim the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light amen we were created we were wired we are wired to praise him and also we see that there is power in praise it is every time we praise god it's actually spiritual warfare you know we are actually shooting wildly or maybe not wildly we are shooting at the enemy whatever the enemy comes and brings against us you know can you picture that everybody coming in with your uh, you know with your uh, pistols and with your whatever weapons you're coming and it's like the wild west all all of you you know you have that weapon we have that weapon it's like shooting against all the wiles of the enemy right so it's warfare it's spiritual warfare and uh, so second chronicles chapter 20 verses 20 to 22 talks about this king jehoshaphat he goes to fight a battle and this is what he does he calls the singers he calls the priests and then he puts them in front of the army and he says you know you guys will sing praises okay you guys will sing praises and even as they sang praises the, the word says that they ambushes the lord set ambushes on behalf of this army and the army was the other enemy was defeated so we have a spiritual application in this every time we come and praise god you know we are actually making a dent in the enemy's feet it's already been broken he's already destroyed but you are breaking that hold that he has every time you praise god every time you you know your praise accords with what is there in the word every time we confess every time we declare his praise okay so so when should we praise at all times and forever and forever we can praise you know uh, as a congregation it's definitely a place where we can praise god we can praise in private you know this interesting verse psalm 149 and verse 1 psalm 149 and uh, verse 1 it says praise the lord sing to the lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints so that's the congregation and uh, psalm 149 and verse 5 says let the saints be joyful and glory let them sing aloud on their beds let them sing aloud on their beds so when before getting up before waking up just praise god and you will see that there's no wrong side of the bed that morning right there's no getting up on the wrong side praise god you know uh, even before you get up so it changes our perspective it changes our emotions it increases our faith even as we praise god okay so even before all that you know one thing which is key which is foundational to praising god is your personal and my personal relationship with god without that there's no praise you know it becomes a dry and meaningless exercise we need to have that personal relationship with god we need to have our faith and trust in god we need to grow in our understanding of god and if we do that you know through the week you know as we go back home and in our personal times as we grow in our understanding as we grow in our faith with god when we come back on sunday you know praise will just explode it will just explode we will see such a change in the way the church praises and worships god amen so we need to do that okay some interesting facts here what are the scriptural expressions of uh, praising 
scriptural expressions of praising. Psalm 47 and verse 6. Psalm 47 and um, verse 6. It says, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. So one, ex- one way of expressing your praise to God, one way of declaring our praise to God is by singing, and which is what we, we are familiar with, and which is what we do every Sunday. So singing, we sing, we declare our praise to God. Oh, now it gets a little bit interesting. Verse 1, same chapter. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. How many of you have shouted to God with a voice of triumph? Hey, it's there in the word. You know, have you shouted <laughs> at someone? <laughs> you know, I'm sure we've shouted. Uh, I know we're good Christians, but we've shouted at people. How many of you shouted this morning before coming to church? <laughs> you know, when we, when we want to call a taxi, you shout. Or, a, or, or an auto. You just shout. You don't know where that volume comes from. You shout from the depths of your, you know, being, you know, auto. And that guy has to turn and, you know, stop in his tracks like so shout and let's say I'm, I'm just giving you an impossible uh, situation let's say India right in the next Olympic Games tops the tally of medals okay. tops the tally of medals maybe some 150 gold and some odd silver and bronze we top the you know the tally of medals you know, would you shout in triumph maybe we'll be speechless for some time but after that, you know, we will give it all you've got and you'll shout the voice of triumph. You will shout. When your favorite team is winning, you will shout. There's no inhibition. You know, God has given us the victory. The devil knows that. We don't realize that. God has given us that victory. We need to stand in that victory that he's already given us. And one way of expressing praise to God is by shouting with all you've got. You know, I really thought that we should have a demo of this, but you know, the message will go on. So, uh, just cutting it short, but, but you get it, right? Next time, uh, you know, there's a praise and worship leader who's exhorting the church to shout. Just go ahead and shout. Don't bother about who's sitting uh, you know, next to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, they'll think about They think you're weird, uh, maybe two minutes, and then they'll change. So, it's okay. They'll forget it. Shout with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And then, uh, so we see this uh, even in Joshua, the incident about Joshua and uh, when he's going around Jericho, God gives him specific instructions. God gives him that instruction and says, six days you walk around once and the seventh day you walk around seven times and the seventh time, you know, let the trumpets blow. There are seven priests, seven trumpets. Let them blow the trumpet and at the same time, you guys shout with all you've got and the wall will come down. You know, in all our, in all our lives, you know, maybe we, we have those walls, we have those ceilings, we are struggling to break through. We are struggling to break through that. And uh, God has instituted this in scripture that we can shout with a voice of triumph and see the breakthrough and see the walls coming down and see the ceiling coming down. Amen. Shout with the voice of triumph. And the next one is clapping. I think we all know that. Psalm 47 and verse 1 again says, you know, clap, uh, clap. 
your hands, all you peoples, shout to God with the voice of triumph. So how many of you have clapped your hands uh, in, worship, in praise and worship? You know, can I see? Uh, clapped your hands, okay. So those of you who have not, you know, go ahead, clap your hands. Maybe it is when we are singing, or it could be at a time when we are just applauding God. Why do we clap? We clap because we appreciate something that that other person has done. Maybe somebody's singing or somebody's put on an act or something. We appreciate it when we clap. And we also clap when somebody wins a victory. Right? Somebody's got so when we celebrate along with that person, the victory, we clap hands. So next time, you know, you can clap hands and express your praise to God. The fourth one is lifting of hands. Lifting of hands. How many of us lift our hands in praise and worship? You know, lift our hands in praise and worship. Okay. You know, just go ahead and lift your hands. Lifting of hands really means surrender to God. Really means surrender to God. When somebody puts a gun in your back and says, hands up, you know, our hands will go straight up, reaching for the skies. You know, so it's a sign of surrender. We're saying, hey, I don't have anything. I surrender myself to you. It's a sign of surrender. It's also a sign of reaching out to our Father. You know, you've seen the children play. You've seen the children reaching out to the Father. And uh, you know, recently, uh, not too long ago, actually, um, you know, we, uh, a family, we, I mean, as a family, we went out, and then Ruth, uh, my daughter, wanted ice cream. And this time, she asked, and immediately I bought. And as I was about to give her, you know, she, uh, she did something. She just started jumping. She put her hands out. It was you know, a couple of years ago, so she's a little older now. She put her hands up. She started jumping and she started reaching out. And, uh, you know, as a father, I was really moved. My heart just melted when I saw that. And I, I'll always treasure that, uh, that picture. You know, she just reached out and she was, cry- she was just laughing and smiling, reached out, jumped, and was reaching out. So we are actually reaching out to our Heavenly Father. We are reaching out to our Heavenly Father. We are saying, you know, Father, God, Abba, I'm reaching out to you, God. You are my life support. There's no other support, secondary support structure. You are my everything, God. You know my innermost needs, oh God. You know where I'm struggling, oh God. You know my pains. You know my tears, oh God. Nothing escapes your attention, O oh God. You know those sighs, O oh God. Every unspoken Lord prayer, Lord, you've already heard it. Just reach out to our Father, our Heavenly Father. Reaching out and st- uh, playing musical instruments. Psalm 33 and verses 2 and 3 says that when we play, just play our musical instruments, we are actually praising God. Psalm 33 and verse 2 says, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to Him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. So when we play on our musical instruments, when our heart is really saying, you know, uh, God, you know, I'm doing this for you. God, my focus is on you. We are praying, we're praising God, we're expressing our praise. Some of the other expressions of praise are uh, standing, we show respect to God, singing with a spirit, and Paul uh, writes about that. He says, I will pray with a spirit, I will pray with the understanding, I will sing with a spirit, I will sing with the understanding. So when we sing in the spirit of God, our spirit is really communing with God. And also, dancing. Psalm 149, verses 2 and 3, talks about that. So we see that dance is not actually a performance. We're not 
performing you know, for people, but it's really a dance unto God. It's really a dance. You know, I'm sure the, you know, you've seen kids when they're ex- excited. They're literally, you know, they're literally crazy. They're bouncing off the walls and jumping up and down. It is a dance. And uh, when you study uh, the Jewish customs and so on, there are many kinds of dances. One dance is normally what we normally do, uh, which is we jump up and down in the same place, right? And that's a name for that. And one kind of dance is when people just twirl round and round. And uh, these are all the Jewish dances. And uh, it is all there. There are specific names for that. So we can praise God with the dance. But it's not a show of flesh, right? It is not a performance. It is not to please anyone. And we're not really going to condemn anyone if nobody is dancing. But really, you know, it's between you and God. And all these expressions of praise hinge on one thing. Pure personal relationship with God. Your intimacy with God. Otherwise, everything is meaning, meaningless. It's just an exercise. It, uh, those songs that you sing are just words. And when we look at worship, we see that worship is slightly different from praise. Right? It is not extroverted. It could be introspective and contemplative. It is an intense love or admiration. I know we understand that. It is intense love or admiration. It's very difficult to really pinpoint and say this is worship. Because it's something that goes in the heart. When we worship, our spirit communes or fellowships with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. And there's worship. And God is able to reveal His heart to us and we open our hearts to God. We are totally vulnerable before God. We open our hearts to God. And, uh, and that is worship. So worship is intimate. It's communion and fellowship. It is not always obvious. It is not always obvious. And when we look at John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24... Jesus says that this is true worship, that we will worship in spirit and in truth. That our spirit, out of our innermost being, we worship God. And it's also in truth. What does it mean? In truth means there is no pretense. There is no pretense in worship. You know, there's this phrase which uh, you know, people used to use. Uh, I don't know if it's still being used in colleges. Get real, guys. Get real, guys. You know, I think... As a church, we need to get real about worship. Let there be no hypocrisy in our worship. Let our worship be in truth. Let it be in accordance with God's word. Let it be in agreement with God's word. Let it be in holiness. Let it be in truth. Let there be no hypocrisy. And when we worship, we actually minister unto God. I don't know if, uh, you know, sometimes we go back home and we think, hey, today's worship was, uh, you know, a little, I don't know, I didn't feel it. Uh, you know, I've said it so many times. Was worship good? Uh, but actually we see worship is ministering unto God. You know, you picture this. You have maybe your, all your sacrifices. You know, you're bringing your grain and uh, uh, whatever. And you're bringing it in. And let's say there's an altar here. And we're actually placing it before God. You're saying, God, I thank you. It's a sacrifice of praise and worship. It's actually for God. We are offering ourselves to God. So the worship is to God. So I can't really, you know, it's tough to ask that question to another person and say, how was worship? We should ask God, God, is my worship pleasing to you? God, is my worship in spirit and in truth? God, is my worship something that you will receive this morning? Worship is for God. 
It's directed towards God. The focus is not on us. It's about God and about Him. And when we... So what happens is, when we do that, when we focus on God, the best thing is this, we experience His presence. Right? His presence is always there, but when we focus on God, when we offer ourselves in worship to God, we experience His presence. We become aware of His presence. We become more and more aware of His presence. There are varying degrees of God's presence. Right? God is omnipresent. He's here. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Amen. So it's a personal presence. And we also see in Second Chronicles, in the temple which Solomon built, we see the manifest glory of his presence. Manifest glory of his presence. Where they start the worship. The priests are there and everybody's there. They're worshipping, they're shouting to God. And the glory of God fills that place. The glory of God fills that place so much so that they find it difficult to continue in worship. But we haven't come to that place yet. Right? They were all in one accord. They were just offering their praise and worship to God. And you see the glory of God fills that temple. And they could not continue. They had to stop and say, God, we're, we're done. That's it, God. It's like Isaiah when he said, Alas, I'm done. I'm undone. That's the experience they had when they experienced the manifest presence of God, the glory of God. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.